Hey, how is it going? I'm Eric Gibson, and this is Screen Secrets. So, I am back after a three-week-long trip. It was really nice, and, you know, it, it was absolutely amazing out there. Highly recommend going to Zion. Zion was the best place we've been. I, I recommend it over the Grand Canyon. Not to say Grand Canyon was bad by any means, but it was absolutely spectacular. So glad I went on that trip but it's also nice to come back home and i'm doing this again and it's nice to talk about some of the stuff on here so what are we going to talk about today what are what screen secrets are we going to talk about today well originally i was going to talk about breaking bad and i think i'll do that in i don't know uh for maybe i'll make a podcast tomorrow or the next day but we'll see i do have to uh pack up and move since i'm moving back to college i'm going into apartment this time so it's going to take a lot of collecting things, you know, packing up and going back to school. So we'll see about that. But for this podcast, I noticed that Legend of Korra was on Netflix. So I wanted to clear Legend of Korra's name a little bit in this podcast because so many people say they hate it. So many people despise this show. A lot of people love it, but a lot of people also hate it. And I'm going to come out and say that I really loved Legend of Korra. I don't understand these. Some people say it's the worst show they've ever seen. I don't know what they're watching, but I don't think it's Legend of Korra. I really don't. I, I don't understand how you can watch it and think it's the worst show you've ever seen. <laughs> Like, oh my God, these people, I just think they completely overblow what they're saying. I do think there are more people who like Legend of Korra than hate it. And I feel like just the people who hate Legend of Korra are sick of seeing people that like it. So they want to like just post more videos about it and all that kind of stuff. And Legend of Korra does have its issues. And I am completely aware of those. In fact, I'm going to go through some of the cons, and then I'll start talking about the pros, though. I think the pros far away the cons, and I'll explain that in a little bit. But this is kind of a before-you-watch type podcast, so keep that in mind. I'm going to try to keep out most of the major spoilers, and I will actually, in this first section of this podcast, I will try to give just my general insight, generally what I think about the show, that it won't have any spoilers, it won't have any any of that kind of stuff. And then I'll kind of dive into more deep detail on some things. I'm still not going to spoil it, I think, to the extent where it's just going to ruin the story for you. But I will go into a little bit more specific points. If you don't want to hear those specific points, you don't want it spoiled at all, I recommend right after I get done with my general opinion on it to just not listen to the rest of this podcast. But I'll get to there in a second. So some of these people that I'm talking about that hate the Legend of Korra include Lily Orchard on YouTube. You may have seen her videos. The big one is, of course, Legend of Korra is garbage and here's why. And see, people people don't watch that, but they see it on their YouTube recommended. And then so what ends up happening is that people think that, oh, well, she's right, obviously. Uh, maybe it is garbage, I, but they never watch it. And that video has so many things that she just says are, are completely untrue. It goes against something she said earlier, or she says something and gives no examples on what she's talking about. So I, I've listened to that video. It's, it's completely full of things like that. 
she says some things that I'm going to go over later on when I'm getting the more specific examples that I just I don't get where she's coming from. I don't understand it. And I feel like at like some of the points in the video, it almost sounds like she didn't even watch it. Like she wasn't even paying attention. So now that that's out of the way, let's move on to my general opinion on Legend of Korra. First of all, what I want to say is obviously, if you've seen my previous podcast, I've watched Avatar Last Airbender and I have loved it, obviously. It is my second favorite show just behind Breaking Bad. Maybe not just behind. I like Breaking Bad a lot. Okay, it's hard to beat Breaking Bad for me, so it's not really saying much. But Avatar Last Airbender is absolutely amazing, in case you can't tell. Although I do not think Korra is as good as The Last Airbender. I definitely, definitely think it's a worthy follow-up, and it's still a very good show that you should watch. Okay, that is my overall general opinion. Please go watch it. It is a pretty good show. Get through the first couple seasons, and I think you'll be good. So, from what I said just now, my favorite, or my, uh, the seasons for me, worst to best, I think it goes, first season is the worst for me, second season is a little bit better. Fourth season is the second best, and then the third season is definitely the best. And it's a big gap, I feel like, between the second season and the fourth season for me. I I know that many people, even fans, generally say the second season is the worst. I disagree. I say the first season. Either way, most fans will agree with me here. The first and the second season don't live up to the third and the fourth season. So that that is that is typically what people think. And I do agree with that, although I know some people would put would switch the first and the second in my list there. They'd say the second is the worst, first is is slightly better. Uh, I disagree with that, but you know, it's just a matter of opinion in that case. Um, but again, like I said, the the step up from the second to the fourth season in my list there is a pretty big step. But I wouldn't say that the first or second seasons by any means are awful. Like some people just think they're god awful. They're not. It, it, that's that's. I feel like those people they just want it to be exactly like Avatar: The Last Airbender, and like I feel like there's really with those people there's not really any helping them because if Korra was exactly like Avatar: The Last Airbender, they just say, oh, it's just a copy. But it's not, and they're still like, oh, well, it's different. So I feel like there's just not really any helping those people. They were, I feel like those people have a personal vendetta against it just because it's a follow-up series, and that's the only reason. It has nothing to do with the characters of the story or anything like that. It's just because it was a follow-up, so everything in Korra must be bad. They're not willing to agree that some of it is good. And so I... I, I just completely disagree with those people. I'm sorry. So because of this, I want to tell you the way to watch Legend of Korra. All right. Because I feel like there's a big misconception that the Legend of Korra is very similar to Avatar The Last, Last Airbender. When I was watching it, it's not. It is not at all, really. I mean, there's characters from Avatar in it, and there's storylines that may have originally developed, and that maybe they talk about what happened 70 years earlier, but it's very different. 
Okay, so I want you to know that. Go into Korra thinking a different show. Don't think of Avatar The Last Airbender, all right? So here's some examples of this. And this isn't like my opinions. It's just what I think will... I mean, I guess it's what I think, so it is my opinion. But it's what I think will get you to watch it the best way. You'll get the most out of it if you watch it this way. All right. So I just like put this in your head and think about it when you're watching it. And I think you'll have the most enjoyment when you watch the uh, Legend of Korra. So first of all, Korra is not like Aang at all. In fact, she, she and Aang are exact opposites. And I love that they took this route. Instead of making her exactly like Aang, she is the exact opposite of Aang. And they try to show that, obviously, to the viewers. Some people didn't get it. I, I don't think some people got this, that Korra, when she since when she was three years old, she knows all the elements other than air, right? Aang, since he was very young, knew air and no other element, right? So I think that that was trying to show you how much of a different person she is than Aang. So just so you know, she's the, basically the complete opposite. Let me give you plenty more examples here. The major plot of The Legend of Korra is this. All right. In Avatar Last Airbender, it was Aang did not want to be the Avatar in a world that needs the Avatar. Korra desperately wants to be the Avatar in a world that doesn't need an Avatar. That is the main plot of the story here, right? That is the main plot. In fact, the whole first season, and I'll get into the villains in a second and all that kind of stuff, but that'll be when I'm talking about more specific things. So I'm not going to give too much away here, but basically in the first season, that's ultimately what it's all about is that she's she thinks that she's great, that she's the Avatar. She's always wanted to be the Avatar. Many people think that she's a static character because they just watched the first season and that's all she is. But what you have to do is you have to see some things that happen to her later on in the story. And that, you know I'll go further in that later when I'm talking more specific reasons once again. But you have to realize that that's what they were going for. Korra is someone who knows the the fighting elements to be the avatar and always has wanted to be the avatar. But the whole first season is basically telling you why the avatar shouldn't exist. That's the basis of the whole first season. It's the basis of the villain in the first season and all of the villains people is basically trying to, I'm not going to give anything away here, but basically saying that uh, bending doesn't, like bending shouldn't exist basically. So it's basically saying everything against the avatar, right? So that that is the basis of the story here is that Korra is in a world that claims they don't need the avatar even though she desperately wants to be it. So, moving on from that, Aang is also completely in touch with his spiritual side. Korra needs to learn it. Aang does not know how to control the Avatar state at the beginning. Korra knows how to control it. And that was shown in the first season very at the very beginning. So I don't really feel like it's that much of a spoiler. People explain how desperately they need Aang to save the world while people constantly tell Korra they don't need her. That's stated very early on as well. Very early on. 
Aang learns. Here's a big thing too. Here's a huge thing. And the final thing as well. Aang learns from the good people around him. Korra learns more from the villains. And I think that's a very interesting way to go with the story. And it's actually pretty great. I really love the way that they did this. They, they made Korra a complete opposite character. Okay, so another way to watch the story that I think you should do. This is how I think you should watch it. Each season, this is just something to let you know like what's going on here. Is Each season is a separate story with a separate villain that ultimately moves the whole story along to an end. It's very unlike Avatar The Last Airbender that way. And people, like I feel like, despise that too. But really, it's just a different way to write a story. There's no correct way to write a story. And it's just a different way. That each season has a different storyline that ultimately all comes together at the end. That's that's how it works. That's how Korra works. So just know that going into watching Korra, because I think that, that was something when I first watched it that I didn't really like. But then once I thought about it more, I was like, no, okay. Now that I'm into it, I'm watching it. I, I'm perfectly fine with this. And the last thing that you should know is Avatar of Cyberbender is more episodic, right? They're, like Each episode is kind of a different story that ultimately leads to the finale. But Korra is not episodic. It is serialized within the season, right? I think it's like seasonized because <laughs> each season is different. But not every episode is different. Every episode continues on from the last it's not a, a completely separate episode so it's like breaking bad or game of thrones and people hated this too like in oh my god in lily orchard's video she talks about how that's so terrible when when many people consider the greatest show of all time breaking bad is serialized i don't know what she's talking about it's just a different way to write a story who cares I don't know why she cares so much. I don't know why she thinks that's the important thing here. Anyway. Okay. So here's the part where I'm going to go into a little bit deeper detail. I'm going to talk about the cons and then the pros. I know many people say the proper way to do it is pros and cons, but I like finishing on the positive stuff. So I'm going to go cons, then I'm going to go pros. All right. So again, I'm going into deeper detail here. If you don't want to hear anything else, if you don't want to hear some of the specific stuff, uh, I, I don't think it's really spoilers because a lot of this stuff is at the beginning of each season or it's uh, in the end, like it's just something to know about going into the show rather than like, I'm not going to tell you who, you know, if there's anyone that dies or if there's anyone who stays alive or any or any like deep stuff, like uh, how the story works or anything like that. But it will go into some of the characters and some of the little bit deeper uh, pros and cons I see with the series. And again, I do want to say this before I start. So I recommend now, if you don't want to hear any of that, leave this podcast right now. Okay. So like I said before, I think the pros far outweigh the cons. I really do love the show. It's, it's better than 98% of all cartoons I've watched and even probably all the shows I've watched. I really like Legend of Korra. I do. So that all being said, let's get right into it here. So 
for the cons my number one con and the thing that actually does piss me off i think many people won't see this one coming it's not something that's talked about a lot but it's something that just annoyed me throughout the show i mean okay well i shouldn't say that it only happens i i will say this because i don't feel like it's a spoiler and even if it is a spoiler it's not something that you should care about you're not going to care about this all right so it's milo all right in the first and second season he's the or sorry not not first and second first and fourth season he's the worst uh I really didn't care about one of the episodes where he's sort of a main character in the fourth season. I, I, I'm sorry. I just really didn't. Milo is just a little annoying prick. <laughs> I hate him. I, he's the one character in Legend of Korra I actually despise. I'll talk about the characters in a second, but he's the one character I actually it it decreases the quality of the show for me when he's on screen like i i really he honestly just should not be in the show he really shouldn't okay let me tell you something all right if you don't like hearing this then um i don't know don't listen to it but oh my god he literally uses <laughs> farts as an airbending technique cora Legend of Korra, who's a predecessor to Avatar The Last Airbender, has fart jokes by this little kid, Tenzin's son. It almost feels like Nickelodeon came in and told the creators, oh, well, Legend of Korra is a little bit for older audiences. You know, I think you need to throw some fart jokes in there. And they were forced to throw fart jokes in there because there are none in Avatar in the original series. This is so stupid. Why? Why did you put this in, creators? Why? This is the one thing that I completely disagree with and actually kind of ruins the show for me. I mean, when it happens, like, it's such brief moments that it's it's difficult to say that, you know, it ruins the whole show for me. It, it doesn't. But when Milo is on screen, it just automatically makes me like the show less. I hate Milo. Milo just shouldn't even be a character. He should be off screen at all times if he's in the story. He's just a stupid character to have in. He, I don't, I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else to say about him. He's just, he's, he's just a terrible character. He's annoying as hell. He's just so annoying. He farts. Like we're really resorting to fart jokes now. Like, come on, Cora. This is the line that that you just went over the line there that that was the point where i was just like no he's using farts as an airbend really really we've stooped to that level all right you know what i'm getting pissed off we should move on to the next thing because the next thing i don't feel like is nearly as bad that he is the only thing in the show that makes me like the show less whenever milo's on screen it makes me like the show less other than that everything else even if it is a con here, I don't necessarily despise or anything. Like some people just, oh my God, it's the worst thing in the world. No, the rest of this stuff really isn't. So another thing that I didn't really like is Unalak. He is the villain in the second season. Like I mentioned, uh, every season has a separate story and a separate villain. So 
Unalak is easily the worst, and it's not really even close in this series with such great villains. He's just the one that is evil for evil's sake. Uh, Ozai was kind of like that, but many people would agree with me here. I think that Ozai was probably the worst villain in Avatar The Last Airbender. Uh, maybe, maybe Zhao is, I could see some people saying Zhao is a worser one. Uh, Azula is probably the best overall of both Legend of Korra and Avatar The Last Airbender, but Unalak was pro is probably the worst of all the main villains in both shows combined it he's he's just he's evil for evil's sake and that's about it there's not much development to him and legend of korra a series where even people who hate it uh, understand that the villains are very well developed and actually pretty great unalak is the one exception to this role and he's just not he's not he's two-dimensional he's not that interesting Honestly, for a while, uh, I forgot his name. I couldn't remember him. Like, it, it was, he's just, he's kind of forgettable. You don't really, yeah, he's just evil. He's just, and no reason for it. So, again, you know, that's not as bad as Milo just being annoying. Uh, but it is a flaw in a show that otherwise has great villains. He's obviously the worst, and it's not close. So, Moving on from that, talking about Unalak, to the ending of the first season. This is easily the worst ending of the series in my eyes. I know some people didn't really like the second season, and I'll talk about that in a second. But the first season is easily the worst season. They fake like there's going to be uh, some consequences and through a series of events, there's no consequences. It's just, it's not that interesting to me. And there are uh, a few things with the villain in that season that I'll explain late. Well, I'll explain who the villain is later. I won't go on to what happens, obviously, because again, I don't want to go too far into it. But basically, just something happens towards the end that where it makes me like the villain less. And so overall, the ending of the first season is obviously the worst in my eyes. And it kind of. It's so it is one thing that I think does ruin the first season for me. Like I, I was kind of getting into the first season. The first season, like it could have been great, but the ending is just not very good. So just keep that in mind going into it. Uh, yeah, I really didn't like the ending in the first season. So people had a problem with the finale of the second season. The reason I'm putting it in here is because like no I I actually didn't have that much of a problem with it. I thought the ending of the second season was miles above the ending of the first season. But mainly because there are repercussions and I'll explain that a little bit more. I won't explain exactly what the repercussions are, but I will explain that a little bit more when I talk about the villains later on. But the ending of the second season there was something that people generally didn't like. I won't say what it was, but and, and but I do understand where those people are coming from. Like if I think that is just a completely absurd reason to hate the show, then I won't put it in the cons or I'll explain why I think it's completely absurd. But if it's something that maybe I didn't think was awful, but some people did or thought it was stupid or something, then I will put it in the cons here and I can see where people didn't like it. I can totally understand it was um, 
Yeah, I can totally get it. It makes perfect sense. Even though I didn't have much of a problem with it, I could totally see where people did. So, moving on to the next con, and I think many people would agree with me here, and even people who love Legend of Korra would agree with me here, it would have benefited with a lot more episodes per season. All right. Avatar and Sarabender had 20 episodes, about 20 episodes per season, 20 other than the third season, of course, which had 21. And yeah, Korra would have benefited so much from that. This is partly Nickelodeon's fault because they only allowed them to have 12 episodes in the first season and then 13 or uh, 14, I think, in the second season. But it just it did not work for Korra because there are just so many more characters in Korra than there are in Avatar, especially main characters. They really need to flush them out more. It would have helped a lot. Characters. Uh, well, OK, first, I'm actually going to say this. A great example of this is Asami. Yeah, I, I don't feel like this is spoilers because Asami shows up. I'm pretty sure in the first episode, if not, then very early on in the show, uh, definitely in the first season. And so early on the first season too. So Asami is one of the, you know, Avatar. She's in the Avatar group, right? In Legend of Korra. But she really just doesn't get enough screen time. The thing is, is that I really think throughout the series, Asami is a very interesting character, but they just don't give her enough screen time. If they gave her more screen time, she might even be the best character. She thinking about her, just like what she does, some of the stuff that's happened to her, some of her uh, not to give anything away, her family members, some of the stuff like that. I just I think about her and I'm like, she should be the most interesting character, but she just doesn't get enough screen time. And I do think it is partly because Nickelodeon, they only gave them 12 episodes for the first season. And they didn't greenlight the second season until the first season was already written. So it was already, the first season is already finished. And so that's kind of also why the first season's ending is, is kind of screwy a little bit. And I didn't really like it. And it's the same thing with the second season too. They didn't green green light the, they didn't order the third and fourth seasons until one, until the second season was finished. So Nickelodeon kind of screwed them up here too, I think, but it would have benefited a lot more with more episodes per, per season. And so a lot of this stuff is rushed. Not only the characters, uh, well, I mentioned Asami, but also Mako, Bolin, and Iki kind of fall into this category too. Uh, Iki is another one of Tenzin's kids, like Milo. She's Milo's sister, and she's the one that I don't really care about. Coincidentally, Jinora, you learn a lot more about throughout the series, the other kid, and she's actually one of my favorite characters. So... Milo is easily my least favorite character in the series. Iki is someone, she does something at some point. I'm not going to mention when, but at some point she does do something. But it's such a little thing. I don't really care. So I, in the end, I kind of forgot what her name was, to be honest, because I don't, I didn't really care that much about her. But then Janora is actually one of my favorite characters. So it goes from my least favorite to a character I don't really care about to one of my favorite characters for Tenzin's kids. But anyway, that they, they fall into that category, especially Mako. I think uh, I don't really care about Mako. Bolin is a really good character. I really love him. I mean, he's, he's sort of the Sokka of the group. Maybe not the same comedy exactly, but 
he is the comic relief and he's pretty funny but he doesn't they they try to go into his backstory and stuff like that but again they just don't give it enough time right he does have a few character arcs though he's just not as interesting i would say as the comic relief in avatar last airbender aka sokka he's just not as interesting as sokka you know it would have benefited with more episodes per season that's just what i believe and i think many people would agree with me there and even then it's not an awful thing by any means and i'll explain more about like cora later on so i don't think it's the worst thing in the world but it would have benefited a lot with more episodes per season so another con here and this is something that people talk about uh it's it's kind of in the middle though between a con and a pro for me i don't in fact there are parts of it that i think are actually pretty good but there is a two-part episode in the second season. I'm not going to give anything away about it. Many people actually consider this to be the best two episodes in the season. Or not in the season, in the series. So I could I, I could see where they're coming from. But there are inconsistencies with Avatar Last Airbender. Is it to the point where I think it completely ruins The Last Airbender? No, not at all. People overblow this. It's stupid. The, the stuff in this episode, yes, there are some inconsistencies, but it's not to the point like you could write your way out of it. Like you could say that, oh, well, this thing in The Last Airbender could still relate to the Legend of Korra in this case. It's just you have to kind of think about it a little bit differently, right? It doesn't ruin it. People say it ruins it. It doesn't. But I could see where people would disagree with it a little bit. And I kind of did too. But again, that is th- those two episodes are actually deemed by a lot of people to be the best in the series. So it is a little bit uh, different for everyone. So uh, again, I wasn't actually sure if I should put this in the cons because I think everyone generally does love these two episodes. I still really, I guess I really like them, but they... They did have some issues, and I could see where people would be mad. Another issue with it that I saw was... Okay, this is kind of hard to go into without spoiling anything, but basically they talk about being in a gray area, but then they just go to good and evil once again. Like, it's just kind of stupid the way they do it at... Like they talk about it should be in a gray area. It should not be just good and evil. And then they just take the good over the evil, basically. So I I didn't really understand that. Like, I think something that would have been interesting is seeing the repercussions of being too good or something like that. I, I don't want to go too much into it. I feel like I'm going to over explain it and kind of give stuff away. So I'm just going to leave it at that. There are some issues I had with that. But really, those two episodes aren't bad, and a lot of people think they're really good. So I can't, I can't really say that that's a pro or a con for me. And a lot of people would say it's a pro. So I guess this is kind of in the middle, and maybe you'll love it, maybe you don't. We'll see. So that is it for the cons. Let's move on to the pros. And again, I think the pros far away the cons here. And so uh, let's go right into it. Let's do it. So the action is a lot better in Korra. 
I don't know. Some people say the animation is worse. Completely disagree. You could not disagree more. I think the animation is a lot better in Korra than it is in Avatar Last Airbender. And I, I just see more creative uses of bending as well as a more in-depth look into the rare aspects of it. Like, for example, metal bending and blood bending is all over the place. And, you know, more than that, I'm not going to give away some of the other stuff because some of the other stuff you may not know yet. So I'm not going to give that away. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot more in-depth look at some of those rare bending techniques and there's a lot more creative uses of it. And I think the action is just a lot better in Korra. I think it really is. I think the animation is a lot better too. Could not disagree with more with those people that think it's not. I, I completely disagree. I think the action is great. I really do. And Legend of Korra, I think it's better. I think it's better than Avatar. I really do. Another thing I like to see is the development of the technology throughout the world here. And I'm not going to give away like any like major uh, plot points or any places like that. I will uh, talk about Republic City, though, because Republic City is literally in the first episode. The first episode is literally called Welcome to Republic City. So I'm not you know, I don't feel like that these are any major spoilers by any means. But it is cool seeing some of the stuff like the bending like does for the city like for example mako he uses his lightning bending to provide energy for the city and like he's with a bunch of other people too and i think that's actually pretty cool seeing that like how bending works with the technology how they utilize it and stuff like that i think that's cool it's very creative and it gives the world like you feel like this is an actual world out there somewhere you know what i mean and so I, I really do like that they use that. And not only that, but the technology developed too. That's very realistic in 70 years. Yes, that can happen. People like say it can't. I don't understand when you have firebenders who literally can just give energy. Obviously, you're going to develop a lot quicker. It makes a lot it makes a lot of sense. Uh, these people say it doesn't make sense. I don't understand why it doesn't. Not only that. Even with us, the Industrial Revolution like completely switched things just like that. So even us in our world, I, I don't really understand why people have a problem with that. But I think I think it's great to see the development of technology to large cities like Republic City. I think that's that's pretty cool. And so, yeah, I think that that was a very good aspect of Legend of Korra. I also like throughout the second season, the look the further look into the spirit world and spirits as a whole, I really I like the spirit world was something that was in Avatar Last Airbender, but it wasn't anything that was explored in more detail. Like, sure, Aang went there sometimes, but there are only select episodes that I can really remember, like uh, the the two part spirit episode in season one, and then the finale of season one when he goes and talks to the face stealer. And there a few other episodes here and there where he talks to some spirits, but I, I don't, you know, it didn't go further in depth. I love that Legend of Korra did. It's cool to see like what, like the spirit world and all that kind of stuff. It's very cool to see that. And I'm glad that they developed it more and showed like what spirits really are like and showed their, how they change. I'm not going to go into why they change or how they change or anything, but they do change different. Uh, they have different moods. They have, and it, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to dive in the spirit world a little bit more. It's a place that we didn't get to see that much in the last airbender. 
So another thing is that I know I bashed the characters before. They don't a lot of them don't get enough character development or enough screen time or stuff like that. But there are definitely characters that I I don't think like get enough credit for how good they actually are. Like Tenzin, I know I said Bolin before in my cons, but he is still a very good. I, mean, I the reason I said that is just because I don't feel like he gets as much character development as the as the comic relief in Avatar, like Sokka. But he's still a great character. He's so much fun to watch. Everyone loves Bolin. You can't not love Bolin. Then uh, Janora, I mentioned before, the another one of Tenzin's kids that I think is miles above Milo and still miles above Iki as well. She actually knows what she's doing, and I won't get into detail about what she does, but she's actually a pretty important character, and she develops over the course of the story. Uh, Varric, who doesn't love Varric? Varric is just hilarious. And Lin Bei Fong. I, uh, some people didn't like her. I thought that she was a great character. She's tough like her mom, but she also has a heart. And you begin to see that over the course of the seasons. And I, I really do like that. I think it's I think it's actually pretty good character development that not many people talk about. So I also like Lin Bei Fong. And there's others who are really great, but those are the main ones that I noticed that I really enjoyed and were glad that they were on screen. So I think that those secondary characters... And some of those supporting characters are actually really, really good. I do. I know people don't talk about the supporting characters that much because they aren't as good as the supporting characters in Avatar in the, in the original series. I completely agree. Uh, I would say Sokka, Katara, Toph, Zuko, they're all better characters. But I would say that these characters, Tenzin, Bolin, Janora, Varric, Lin, they're all still great characters. And I don't think you can really take anything away from that that i think that is true i think they are from the most objective standpoint that i can come from so even though those are all good characters who is the best character i know many people are gonna disagree with me here and hate me for saying this cora is the best character okay this is the part where i start getting mad at some of the people who dislike the show because and like Lily Orchard, for example, because she said that she's just a static character throughout the whole series. To those people who believe that, who believe her, who agree with her, I have a question for you. Did you watch the show? And if you did, were you paying attention? Were you paying any attention at all? I, I don't. Okay. It's one thing for Korra. To have an arc like Sokka, for example. Sokka's arc in The Last Airbender, you can see it, but it is pretty subtle. I could see where you wouldn't quite get it. I didn't quite get it until like about like the end of the final season, really, when I started to realize, like, oh wait, he's having like a little bit of a character. He does have a character arc, yeah. And so like I just I <laughs> I don't get this. I really don't. I Korra's arc isn't like Sokka's. It's so obvious. I like I okay. In the second season and it is a little bit more subtle. And so I think the creators heard the criticisms of that. Oh, Korra's just oh, she's just a Mary Sue. She gets all that she wants. She's so powerful. Oh my god. And like all all this kind of stuff even though she like in in the second season 
I don't know about you. I saw a little bit of character development there. I, I don't understand where people didn't see it, but it is a little bit more subtle. So I guess I kind of understand. But then the third and fourth season roll around and you still don't see it. I At that point, I'm just like, okay, you've completely discredited yourself then. Like that's just literally if you say that she had no character development in those seasons, you aren't being truthful. Like you're not telling the truth. Like you're literally just lying because honestly, I thought it was a little bit too obvious. I thought the character development was a little bit too on the nose. I don't understand people who think she's the exact same character. What are you talking about? I have no idea. I have no clue. Watch the damn show again and tell me she doesn't have a damn character arc. I I, I don't I don't know where you're coming from. Absolutely no idea. It's so blatantly obvious that I can't I I I can't do anything for you if you're not willing to see it. Like, I just can't. I, I don't get it. I, man. I think part of it stems from the people who believe Korra is, like, should be exactly like Aang. So they, they're not willing to see the character development she goes through because it's so different from Aang's arc. But it's, it's still there. It's obvious. I don't, I don't really get what people are talking about, but. Anyway, that that is just something that's so stupid. I I can't. Were you paying any attention when you watched the show, or or did you watch it at all? Uh, maybe you didn't. Honestly, maybe you didn't. Like I I don't I don't get this one. I don't get the hate behind this one. It makes no sense. It's so blatantly obvious that I just I can't do anything for you if you're not willing to see it. I really can't. <sighs> I'm sorry that that's something that really pissed me off when I heard people like that because it made me when I was watching it think that she had no character arc so I was a little bit like worried about that and just thinking negatively and then when I got to the third and fourth season I was like okay you're telling me this isn't change in her like what what are you talking about I have no idea what you're talking about but anyway okay moving on to the next point before I like start just screaming here but all right through the second to fourth seasons one thing that i also really liked about cora that wasn't present in the first season like i mentioned in the first season there were no repercussions and not only for cora for the world at large too there are in the second and fourth seasons especially the second season at the ending the reason i liked the ending more in the in the second season was because of this the repercussion that she gets the consequence that she gets i'm not going to give away but it's something that is like serious. Like it's like a serious thing. And I and it works with her character arc very well. And I, I really do enjoy that. And the third and fourth season is it's not as obvious, but it's still obviously there. Well, uh, okay. It's not for her specifically necessarily, although there are consequences for her, definitely. As I mentioned, her character arc I thought was a little bit too obvious at points. But uh, in the third and fourth season, a lot of it has to do with the world at large. So I do think that there, these consequences are, are big. And I think that they work well with the story. And it not only does it work well with the story, it makes you feel like these characters went through something. A lot like the losses in Avatar The Last Airbender did. Like in the, when the Fire Nation takes over Bossing Say. Or in the Day of Black Sun, these big losses that I mentioned before in my last podcast, 
they're making they make you feel for these characters the same thing in legend of Korra. these consequences at the end of these seasons other than the first that the first did have some consequences but they just weren't as good as the ones in the second through fourth seasons in, in my eyes anyway uh but especially the second season it's you know there are some big consequences here you know and a lot of decisions that are made are based off off of some of the villains' values too. So that that's pretty cool that it, that Legend of Korra does, that it goes there. You know what I mean? So these consequences are big. Like I said in the second season, I do want to like he, one thing. I just uh, another thing. I just a criticism I don't understand is the consequence in the second season. A lot of people didn't like it. I. It's another point that I'm trying to make here that solidifies that people just aren't willing to like The Legend of Korra. It's a perfect example of this. Because in the first season, people were mad that there were no repercussions. Now there's a big consequence in the at the end of the second season. And I don't think it's like awful. Like it ruins the show. It's not like a spoiler, kind of spoiler alert. It's not as bad as her losing her powers or anything okay i'll say that but it is a big consequence and i think like it's just people hated that so you dislike when there are no consequences and you dislike when there are consequences then you're just never gonna like the show all right you're just never gonna like it there's nothing this show could do at this point for you to get it (laughs) Oh my God, for you to like it. Like, it's just, I I don't know. I, I think it's really stupid people who like, oh my God, it's a, it's a follow-up. It must be bad. Like, I swear that's their mentality, like all the time. Anyway, so that, that was something I just don't understand criticism for. I think the ending of the second season was a lot better for those consequences. And in the third and fourth season, not only, uh, are the consequences for Korra, but also for the world as a whole, like I said. So I think that's pretty cool. And it makes you feel for the characters and moves the story along. And it's it provides conflict and tension. You don't really know what's going to happen next. So here's the best thing about Korra. And I've mentioned it a little bit before. But it's easily the best thing in my eyes. And I think it's actually pretty amazing. Honestly, that they were able to do this, uh, especially with Nickelodeon. that was just constantly trying to like get rid of Legend of Korra, it seems. I'll talk about that at the end, but here we go. The best thing about Korra, in my eyes, biggest pro, are the villains. The villains are absolutely amazing. Other than Unalak, like I mentioned before in my cons, he's easily the worst. Just evil for evil's sake. I'm not going to go into more depth on him, but I will talk about the other three villains who are really good villains in the three other seasons, the first, the third, and the fourth season. All right. So I'm not going to go into anything about uh, what happens to them or the story around them or, or like specific stuff like that, but I will tell you the villains' uh, motivations, what they believe in, and, not, and that kind of stuff to show you how good these villains actually are, how well-written these villains actually are. And so let's get started, all right? Let's talk about Amon, all right? Amon is the villain of the first season, and he is a quote-unquote equalist, all right? He believes that benders are too powerful and discriminate against non-benders, so they should have their bending taken away. Now, 
this is very interesting to me because in Avatar: The Last Airbender, I always thought that. I always thought of like, where are the people who are non-benders who are against benders because they're more powerful than they are? Like, I always thought that there would be a group like that, and it makes perfect sense. It makes so much sense. In in one in Sokka's master. Sokka's depressed because he doesn't have any powers. He, like he says, he's the one that's quote unquote normal, right? So I really, I really do appreciate that they're going there and they're showing like someone who does think that they are being discriminated against. I won't get into the later thing about Amon. So, uh, like towards the end of the season, it kind of ruined Amon for me. So Amon out of these other three villains other than Unalak is probably my least favorite. But that being said, Amon is actually a lot of people's favorite. So that might also be my subjective opinion. But he's he's still a great villain. He has a great motivation. Something that I always thought of when I was watching The Last Airbender. So I'm really... I'm glad that they went there and they showed someone who who was an equalist who thought that uh, benders were too powerful and discriminated against non-benders. I think that's pretty cool. So for moving on to my second least favorite, who is still a pretty good villain. Many people consider him to actually be the best. So take what I say there with a pinch of salt to my favorite villain in the series. Who's a great villain. Honestly, I think you could even argue that he may be better than Azula in The Last Airbender. I think I put him a little bit under Azula, but he's obviously better than Ozai. He's obviously better than Zhao. He's obviously better than all these big villains in The Last Airbender. So I I think he's probably the second best in the whole Avatar franchise. I really do. I think he's a great villain. And you could argue... He's even better than Azula, honestly. I could totally see an argument for that. So Zaheer is an anarchist. He believes the world would be better and freer without leaders. But here's the big thing about him, too, that makes him such a great villain. And the reason why he's my favorite, because I've always loved villains like this. He never sees the opponents as bad people, just obstacles to get through. Does that remind you of anyone? It should. Thanos. That's who Thanos is. He doesn't think of himself as the bad guy. He doesn't think of the Avengers as bad people. He just sees them as obstacles to get through to get what he wants done, done. And that's exactly who Zaheer is. There are a few conversations. I'm not going to give away what was said in those conversations or anything. But those those conversations that he has with uh, some of the heroes in our story here is that it are actually like decent conversations it, uh, he sounds like a nice guy in fact if he had better morals he would actually honestly i'd sit down with him at dinner have a nice dinner with him <laughs> i mean he he seems like a decent person he's not evil for evil's sake like unalak is and so uh, i really love that like they they almost knew that unalak was a bad villain so they put in the exact opposite someone who's actually pretty charismatic who doesn't the people that he sees as opponents he knows they're not bad people he knows they're not mean he knows they're not trying to defy him or anything he just sees them as obstacles so when he talks to them he actually talks to them decently thinks of them as human beings it makes him come off as a human being as a real human as a, as a great villain basically and so i think zaheer is a fantastic villain you could argue he's even better than azula although i would put him maybe 
just slightly a little bit under Azula, but he's still absolutely fantastic and a great villain. And I'm so glad I watched Korra just to watch him. I, I love the conversations he has with some of the main characters. It's it's great. I love I love that. I, I, I was about to say the conversation that he had, but I feel like it would give too much away. So I'm not going to say it, but just know that he's a great villain, easily my favorite in the series that has some great villains. All right. So the final villain I'll talk about here is Kuvira. She is the villain of the fourth season, and she is a fascist. All right. She believes complete control over all states in her nation, not giving away which nation, because I feel like that would be too spoilery, uh, will help protect and develop them. That's ultimately what she thinks. She thinks that having control over, she thinks she can give protection and uh, and develop them a lot better after what happens in the events of, I'm not going to give anything away, but after the events of season three, she thinks she can come back and save everyone and protect everyone and all that kind of stuff by taking over different places. So another thing I like about Kavira is, yes, I think Zakir, like, inherently isn't an evil person he just has bad morals she is kind of the same way but she is a little bit more um menacing than zahir is she like does seem a little bit more evil but evil to the point where you could understand how she gets there because she's taking control of these places and she's beginning to feel a little bit more power hungry every time she does it's not like unalak where he's just evil for evil's sake you can see where she's getting power hungry here where she's starting to realize you start to realize why she is a villain right so like some of these places that she she thinks that oh wait i should take those places over they need help but they don't want help now she tries to attack them you know these because she believes that she can bring goodness to them if they would just let them, but she's willing to resort to violence to get them to join her side. So she doesn't think that she's being inherently evil. She thinks she's doing a good thing. She's just beginning to not realize why she's becoming such a bad person. And that makes a great villain, you know? That's, you know, she's definitely different from Zaheer. Like I said, she's a little bit more menacing, but she still thinks of herself as a good person. And those are some of the best villains and some of my favorite villains in movies and TV shows and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's, I think Kuvira is also a great villain, easily the second best uh, for me personally. I think it goes Zaheer, then Kuvira right behind him. And then Oman kind of maybe a step back. And then Unalak is a few steps back. But Zaheer, and again, many people think Oman is the best. So, you know, take that with a pinch of salt. But I think everyone agrees that Zaheer and Kavira are great villains. Everyone agrees that. And yeah. So the villains, I think, in Korra are great. And not only that, they have repercussions on the overall story. The main characters learn from themselves. Korra learns from herself due to these villains. And that is great i'm so glad that they went in this direction i think it's amazing it's very different from the last airbender but it's also something that i think actually really works and i i really do like it and not only that the main characters change their ways because of these villains too 
like not only do they change the world they the main characters develop because of the villains and that that's pretty cool so as an overview once again these pros far outweigh the cons in my book i don't really understand people who say is the worst show of all time it's not i'm defending it i'm saying it's worth your time go watch it i really do think so and i highly recommend legend of korra again is as good as the last airbender no but how is it going to be nickelodeon was all over them i mean honestly i think it's kind of amazing how good it was nick was pounding the writers with obstacles in fact in the beginning nickelodeon said we're not going to air it because it had a female main character then nickelodeon went in and they showed the first episode and the target audience boys like i I don't know uh eight to twelve years old loved cora they thought it was really cool they thought she was an awesome main character so i i don't understand like why nickelodeon has to do stuff like this but uh, it was originally actually going to be a mini series like i said and that's why the ending of the first season was so rushed and then they greenlit a second season once the first season was already written so it was a bunch of obstacles they had to get through honestly again like i said finally nickelodeon gave them the third and fourth season 26 episodes to write a third and fourth season and it shows okay those third and fourth seasons are a lot better than the first and second all right so get through the first and second i do think it's still worth your time i do think the first and second uh seasons are still I'd say they're good. I think the first season is a little bit worse. Uh, the second season I still think is good. There's parts about it that I like. But then the third and fourth seasons, I personally, I would say are better than book one in The Last Airbender. I think they are. I think they're better than than book one. I wouldn't say maybe, you know, books two and three of The Last Airbender, I, don't, I think are kind of untouchable. But seasons three, uh, well, four, then three for me are still great. I, I think they're better than book one. I really do. So I just want you to not listen to those people who just think it's the worst show of all time because it's not get through the first and second seasons and then see what you think about the third and fourth. I really think you'll, you'll enjoy it. And I think it's a worthy follow-up to the last airbender. I highly recommend it. And that's it. I do think that most of the people who hate, the legend of Korra watch the first two seasons and they really don't like the first two seasons so they say that the rest of the show is just terrible because the first two seasons were so bad but really i don't think the first two seasons are as bad as they say one and two just because if you think the first and second seasons are so bad that doesn't mean the third and fourth are just as bad they're not it's it it's obvious like i do think the third or fourth seasons sometimes they go a little bit too fast but other than that like i said it would really benefit with 20 episode seasons but other than that it's it's not that bad it really third and fourth seasons are actually really good i really enjoy them like i said i think they're better than book one in the last airbender and so yeah i think i think that's my opinion on the legend of Korra. i highly recommend you go watch it i think it's a worthy follow-up and that's about it thanks for listening this is Eric Gibson, signing off.